0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: All right, we are back in Better Than Ever, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to be jam-packed on this Tuesday. We got bad calls. We got good decisions. We got decent-looking bets, and we got Graziano headed off to go cover the combine for us. All that and a whole lot more As I adjust my screen to the right spot,
0: let's go. Here we go. Go, go! Only one place to start.
1: It appears no running
2: backs will be tagged this offseason. A lot of people
0: want to devalue the running back position Mm -hmm. until it comes to playoff time when you know you need that running back. The minute the running back is drafted, the first regular season carry that he has, he's already depreciated value.
1: Yeah, that's sort of the story. Came out yesterday. Shefty in the span of about one minute. Basically untagged all the good running backs <laughs> in the NFL. No. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, who am I forgetting, Graz? Who's the other one? There's one other. Uh, Tony Pollard. Uh, Tony, Tony Pollard, Pollard Derrick
2: Henry, Austin Eckler. Derrick yeah. Henry. So they're they're, the they're, they're whole, all free agents, right? All the right? heads of the five families. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And, and there's Graziano Forrest and Hembo is here and the hashtag crew is together and all the rest of that. We've got a million things to get to today, but let's just start there. What, what's going to happen with all of that? Well, I think these guys are going to end up disappointed. I mean, like no one wants to be franchised,
2: but at those prices, well, look, I mean there's a couple. Like Derrick Henry's franchise tag would have been like $19 million. They were never going to do that. Josh Jacobs would have been over 14, but the franchise tag for Saquon, for Tony Pollard, for Austin it would have been $12 million. And you're telling these guys, "We think we can get you for less." And I think they're going to be right. All the market factors that drove the running backs to be upset last off season that led to the uh, the Zoom calls and guys taking pay cuts and you know people holding out for various periods of time. They're all still present, and now you've flooded the market with top end talent, and that always drives down prices. That's just basic economics. So I think it's going to be rough. I think this year's
1: running back market is going to be even rougher than last year's. And Hembo, because he is a cold bloodless heartless, evil soul will say it's exactly the way it should be. It doesn't make any difference that Saquon Barkley, let's use him as an example, has been... The face of the Giants franchise, he has been a great citizen. He handled last year's situation with infinitely more aplomb than almost anyone else could have been expected to. He got Daniel Jones paid. He got Brian Dayball, the coach of the year, and all of that. But the Giants should not throw him a bone of any sort based on any of that.
3: Well, the numbers are these. Uh, Last season, there were a dozen running backs that produced at least 1,200 yards from scrimmage. I decided to do it that way because we know that a running back's responsibility today is a lot more than just the ball in their belly. There Mm -hmm. were 12 Mm -hmm. of those players. Nine of those 12 players were on their rookie contracts, and eight of those 12 players were 25 or younger. Those numbers are certainly not surprising, but it is very illustrative of how the league views running backs because they're at their best in their rookie contract.
1: Who are, do you have them in front of you? I do. Who were the guys who weren't? Who were who, who the guys who were not on their rookie contract?
3: Uh, Christian McCaffrey, yeah. not on his rookie contract. Right. Derrick Henry, not on his rookie contract. Uh, and Joe Mixon, not on his rookie contract. Interesting. Those are the only three.
2: Mixon, Only, Mixon yeah. had to take a pay cut to stay on the Bengals last year, so he's playing for something. Sub- yeah, and the other I mean, guy. Barkley are, was playing without a quarterback half the season. <laughs> I mean Saquon. I mean, but the, the, you you list all those things that Saquon Barkley has been for the Giants. You didn't say injured, and, and he has been that, and that's a big part of the problem and why teams don't want to commit to these guys. I mean, look, there's any number of reasons teams don't want to commit to these guys. The Chiefs just won two straight Super Bowls with a seventh rounder as their lead running back. You can find that production cheap. And it's unfortunate because, you know, these guys are stars and they feel like they contribute a lot. And I remember talking last summer to Austin Eckler about it. And he said, look, we're not saying uh, that, that those factors don't exist. We're saying that there are some guys for whom you should make an exception. And it'll be interesting to see if anybody does. Is Derek Henry one of those guys just because he's a different sort of player than we've ever seen? Is Saquon Barkley one of those guys because of the number of different things he can do? I doubt it. But it's possible some team says yes, and, and one or two of these guys gets the deal they're looking for. The other thing, and we're going to dive into this
1: a little more later, because we had Jordan Renan, who covers the Giants for us, talking about Saquon Barkley. He was also talking about something that I suggested a week ago, and, and far be it for me to blow my own horn, but I, I would be right. happy to do so. Um, I said last week the number one move that should take place this NFL offseason is the Giants should try as hard as they can – to aggressively move up in the draft and find a way to draft Drake May, who I think Brian Dayball, he's a similar lump of clay, if you will, to the one that Brian Dayball once molded into Josh Allen, who's now for 15 years going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And I don't know that that means the end of Daniel Jones's career. I actually would liken it to when the Giants drafted Eli Manning and they had Kurt Warner. Warner started about half that season and played played pretty well. Mm-hmm. They handed the ball to Eli. Warner went off and had a whole other chapter in Arizona. Led that team to a Super Bowl. If Daniel Jones plays great, great. He'll find another spot. He'll go play somewhere else, and that's it. But the Giants need to reset at that position. That's what I would do. What do you think? I agree. I think they the way they built Daniel Jones's contract,
2: they can get out of it after this coming season. So you could set up that model where the rookie can wait, and Daniel Jones, assuming he comes back, you know, he ended the season hurt, obviously, uh, with the ACL, uh, which is another issue with Daniel Jones and why they might want to be looking elsewhere. But I, I think you can do it that way, and and if he plays well you know, you have options. You might be able to get something for him at the end of the year, talking about Daniel Jones. If he plays poorly, you can get out of the contract after 2024 with very little financial uh, burden. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Now, you know, is is it specifically Drake May? Like, I don't know what their evaluations are on these guys, but if the Giants can find a way from six up to that top three and get one of these guys, I really do think they need to explore it because uh, Daniel Jones has been, he's shown flashes. He has played well at times, but he has... I think only one time played in five years played a full season without injury. That's right. right. Yes, yeah. in
3: um, in five years in 2019 he missed two games with an ankle. In 2020 he missed two games with a hamstring and an ankle. In 2021 he missed six games with a neck. Mm-hmm. And last year, 2023, he missed 11 games with a neck and an ACL. So if you're keeping track at home, that's 21 games missed across five seasons. And like you said, only one of which he went bell to bell. That was the season for which he got paid. Yeah, they they, Good they paid for the outlier. And so I think you can in good conscience tell Daniel Jones, like it or not, we have to draft a quarterback, even move up for a quarterback mm-hmm. for insurance purposes. We can't we can't say for sure you've been on the field because 80% of the time in the last five years, you've at least, least missed some time in part because of your style of play.
1: I think the way they built the contract was actually very smart. They put themselves in a position where they had reasonable upside. If he continued to improve off that one good year, then they had him at a reasonable number. And if it went back if it reverted to the mean or whatever the appropriate expression is there as it seems to have then it was only a two-year commitment no, nothing nothing terrible happens to them and they can move forward and try and figure it out there's also a lot of nonsense going on there right like I don't, what's going on with the coach and, the, and <laughs> wink martindale and like what am i what 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 meeting did i miss here that all of a sudden everyone hates the coach it was uh it was rough there last
2: year and that losing obviously contributes to that but there were a lot of there were a lot of frayed Uh, feelings there by the end of the year and and changes on the coaching staff that reflect that so Brian Dayball who a year ago this time had just won coach of the year uh, heads into his third year as coach of the Giants on some shakier ground than we might have anticipated because yes they I don't think the management of the team liked the way that ended up in terms of the coaching staff. They obviously didn't like the way the record ended up. I think it's an important year. So, yeah, I mean, could you draft a quarterback? Sure, but then do you have to take your lumps again this year? And can Dayball afford to do that? So, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky situation for the Giants.
1: And, and, and so that then leads us, before I let you go off to Indianapolis and enjoy some shrimp cocktail and everything else that you do running around there, to the biggest question. Do we know what the Bears are going to do? <laughs> And assuming the answer to that is no, when do you think we will know? Uh, Their GM, Ryan
2: Poles, is speaking to the media in Indianapolis, and I believe five or ten minutes from now. So, you know, maybe keep an eye out or an ear out for that. Uh, See if there are any clues. I bet he doesn't offer too many. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I I think he has taken – He has taken the approach of, I need to know what all of my options are. So I need to know what I could get for Justin Fields. I need to know what I could get for the number one pick, how much moving back we could do uh, and build out our team if we decided to stick with Justin Fields, as we did last year when we had the number one pick and traded it away. So I I think the timetable in terms of them knowing what they're going to do will be fairly quick. I I think they'll come out of Indianapolis with a sense, if they don't already, with a sense of what the decision is going to be. In terms of trading Fields... I think that could that could be something that takes a while, depending how many teams are interested. Because the more teams are interested, and and some of them might have other options that they're waiting on. You know, if we, if we don't get Kirk Cousins, we want to talk to you about Fields. It, it behooves the Bears to keep that team on the line. So I think it could take a little while. It could theoretically go up to the draft, but teams start their off season programs in April. Teams with new head coaches, like for instance the Falcons, can start their off season program April first. So if you're the Bears and you want to do right by Justin Fields and he's not going to be on your team. That's probably a date to watch by which you'd like to
1: have him on his new one. And, and, and so, so this is clear for everybody listening. The new league year starts, free agency starts in mid-March, mm-hmm. but they can trade Justin Fields tomorrow if they want to. Not technically, but they could agree to the terms of a deal. That
2: deal would not become official until 4 p.m. Eastern time on March 13th. Fair enough.
1: So was that the same circumstance as last year with the draft picks and everything? Yes. Well, because D.J. Moore, Moore was
2: not on the Bears roster got until it. the league year began. So we're clear. Even though it was weeks But early. the trade is made yes. and the trade is made. Oh, so, yeah. We,
1: we, Alex Smith was traded to Washington years ago during right. Super Bowl week. Yeah, yeah. right. It I happens. remember that. Okay, fair enough. So then we got all that. That's all the football stuff. You have to do that. Now, let me ask you just one other question. Uh-oh. Because it was only a matter of time before this was going to happen. I, I Hembo... You know, has infiltrated my life in in even greater ways than had previously been the case, right? So Hembo was my our researcher on Mike and Mike for many years. He was the person I chose to bring with me when I started the new TV show because I just recognized how good he is, and and I, I slowly but surely, we've been bringing him along. We've been developing him like you know a quarterback who who didn't have a lot of college experience. Yeah. And all of a sudden Mitch now he's, we're doing books together. <laughs> no, but he's, he's, he's risen to a far higher sure, sure. level, right? Understood. He's more like Josh Allen. But the problem is, so as he has grown, he's now all of a sudden, he's a New York Times best-selling author yeah. uh-huh. and he's a co-host on a big radio show and all the rest of that. What starts to come forward is that, what, as you and I both know, he really genuinely is an evil soul. <laughs> and so what has, it was only a question of time before he would infiltrate and start to destroy my family. And that is what is happening. Hembo has gotten in between my daughter and her boyfriend. So let me ask you a question without prejudicing the jury. What day is your birthday, Dan Graziano? July 20th. Okay. If you received a package in the mail on July 16th, Uh and it was Uh gift-wrapped, it was very obviously a gift Would you open it on July 16th, or would you wait until July 20th, your birthday, to open it, being fairly certain that it is a birthday present? I would wait. You would wait? I would. As would, I believe, I think, everyone should. I don't know. I could see there being a split on this. Well, there is a split. (laughs) And that split has created a schism in the two-and-a-half-year relationship. My daughter, who was a self-proclaimed Hembo stan which her mother is trying to get some sort of intervention. But, yeah. but, but so she loves Hembo. She is, is going to blindly defend Hembo. Her boyfriend, Jake, who received my gift and opened it immediately, despite the fact that his birthday is not until tomorrow and he mm. got it Saturday. Mm-hmm. He was defended yesterday by Bubba and Cam. And so now we have a schism. Jake is team Bubba and Cam Nikki is Team Hembo. This is literally their first fight in two and a half years. I think I fear that Hembo (laughs) is going to be the wedge that is going to break up this relationship. So I'm clear. Hembo's position is you wait till your birthday. Of course, right. So 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 he feels it strongly, and he. Annihilated Jake on the air for it yesterday. But sure you don't did. think
2: that your daughter is is just of that same mind, or you think it's just her loyalty to Hembo? It's that her that, loyalty that, that to Hembo. She's, she's blindly loyal to Hembo. Fascinating. fascinating. Yeah, yeah.
1: Fascinating. He's, he's 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 got her under a spell. I can't. She used the word Stan. Wow. She said, "I'm a Hembo Stan." Not
3: only does she agree with my take, presumably, but she also just finds my commentary to be attractive, which is sure, very, which is, uh, which is hard to explain. She's yeah, one of one it's on a variety hard. of <laughs> levels. <laughs> She's a unicorn.
2: Everybody in the world has different tastes and, and, and different things poor. And, and it's yeah I mean, are it's you surprised by this are By are you surprised which part? by Hembo the fact that Ambo
1: seems to be dis- now slowly but surely destroying my life I, I I guess
2: I am a little surprised by that. I just wouldn't have I wouldn't have uh, assumed he had that kind of power, mm, right? No, like no. I I could see your 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 point on
3: information and logic are powerful things for people who understand. Yeah, how does
2: that them? pertain to this situation?
3: Because the, the the
1: logic you have data to support that it's better to wait to open your birthday present. Well, the data actually worked against Hembo. We put a Twitter <laughs> poll up there, and most people went the other way. People are impatient, I think, by I nature. Well, oh, I talked to Laura, our makeup artist, about it. She said, the minute I get a gift, I open it immediately. I don't care what it is. Yeah. So we've got a lot of mist- mixed uh, opinion on this. But the bottom line of it is that what seems to be happening is that I think Hembo has now driven a wedge wow. into a relationship of great significance to my family. Yeah. And I'm not exactly sure what the consequences of are. Yeah. going to He
3: should return the gift. He should return
1: the gift? He should send me back the personalized golf balls I sent him? Because he
2: opened it early?
1: Yeah. Not only did he open them early. personalized golf balls. He He texted him. He (laughs) He needs needs someone else whose lucky number is 14 and whose nickname is Box. (laughs) I'm sure we can find one of them. I don't know that. I don't know why there'd be another person like that. Well, one way or another, Graziano, you're now caught up on where things stand. Wow. But I'm caught
2: up, but I want to know how it ends. Like, I want to pay attention to this and follow it I want to know, too.
1: Well, I mean, this is a saga that I have a feeling is only beginning. Yeah, it sounds it. Uh, Graziano, safe travels to Indianapolis you. today. Thank you. We'll uh, start this engine up in a minute here. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio.
4: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space
1: With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: Greeny, the podcast.
1: All right, Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. In 30 seconds, I've got a boost for you that might be very interesting to one member in particular of this hashtag crew. We'll talk about that after we talk about Granger. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. All right, question for you, Mr. Bubba, Brendan Bubba Peregrine. Hashtag Bubba, how are you this morning, first of all? Doing all right. We, we are going to get into the Jake of it all because there's a oh, lot yeah. to Look, dive into. Great man. But first off, you are more than pretty much anyone I know, a diehard Cowboy fan. I, I sent you and your dad down to that ill-fated playoff game against Green Bay. Yeah, that was fun. That didn't go so well. But so I, so I spoke to the, the folks at ESPN Bet and I said, I need an off-season boost for the Cowboys. And here's what they gave me. The Cowboys to win the NFC had been seven to one on ESPN bet. But if you download the ESPN bet app right now, and you look for my boost, it's a picture of me and it's called seeing green. We are boosting that to nine to one. I will get you nine to one odds right now on the Cowboys winning the NFC. And if you look at the picture of the NFC overall right now, it's a pretty tasty little number. How do you feel about it? Bubba. well, it's tough because on paper,
0: I would say, yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. They're gonna have plenty of talent. They're gonna be they're gonna be good. We got rid of that clown, Dan Quinn. Um <laughs> but yeah, I
2: mean, because just how bad it's ended the last couple of years, I just can't have any confidence going into this this season that they're gonna, you know, complete the job and finish it. So
0: could I see it happening? Sure, but I mean I don't even know what's happening with Dak right now. I don't even know what's going to be going on with there. So I, I, I like where your head's at, but I'm I'm I don't know. I'm I'm a little I'm a little worried about it. What do
1: you say, Hembo?
3: Well, I mean, if history is any indication, Bubba's is right. But at nine to one, you're actually getting really good value because the Cowboys are inarguably on the short list of teams in the NFC talented enough to win it, and if they wind up having a big offseason, those odds are going to go from 7-1 to one to 6-1 to one or 5-1, to one. so if I can get them right now at 9-1, to one, it's a good value play. Do I think it's likely? No, of course not, but 9-1 to one is something of a long shot, so I play it at that number. I'm not sure I play it at 7, but I think I would play it at 9.
1: And you can find it right now. Again, I've got it posted on all of my social media, so Twitter, Instagram, whatever you like, at ESPN Greeny. Go on ESPN Bet. The Seeing Green Boost. Alright, next. They are
5: who we thought they were. Thought they were.
1: Playoffs? Playoffs? You kidding me? You kidding
0: me? Hello, you play to win the game. Rant of the Day. All right,
1: today's rant of the day is from Monty Williams, the head coach of the Detroit Pistons, and boy, did he deserve to blow off some steam after his team just got absolutely robbed last night at the Garden. There's no other way to say it. It's interesting, sort of karmic payback for the Knicks, who two weeks ago had a game stolen from them on a terrible call in Houston, And last night, they are the beneficiaries of an even worse call in their own building that goes a long way towards helping them beat the Pistons by two. I I guess I got to set the scene in case you haven't seen it. The Knicks are down by one, about 20 seconds left. Jalen Brunson takes a three, no good, off the glass, scramble for the loose ball. The Pistons have the ball like two or three different times. And then once it gets kicked over to the baseline, And Dante DiVincenzo, I don't think there's any other word to use to describe it, executes a perfect rugby tackle and the ball pops loose. This happens directly in front of an official who happens to be the crew chief, who subsequently acknowledged that they missed the call. How he misses it, I have no idea. He's closer to the play than I am to Hembo right now, and I could touch Hembo if I wanted to. And yet no whistle. No call is made. It's It's puzzling. You have to see it to get a full sense of just how badly this call was missed. And afterwards, Monty Williams, whose team only has eight wins, just was
0: not holding back. Where's the New York media now? The absolute worst call of the season. No call. And enough's enough. We've we've done it the right way. We've called the league. We've sent in clips. We're sick of hearing the same stuff over and over again. We had a chance to win the game, <clears throat> and the guy dove into Asar's legs, and there was a no call. That, that's an abomination. You cannot miss that in an NBA game, period. And I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of our guys asking me, what more can we do, coach? That situation is exhibit A to what we've been dealing with all season long, and enough's enough. You cannot dive into a guy's legs In a big-time game like that, and there be a no-call. It's ridiculous, and we're tired of it. We just want a fair game called, period. And I got nothing else to say. We want a fair game. And that was not fair.
1: I'm done. So that's what he said. And every word he said is 100% right. And we let Get Up With It this morning, and here we are doing it to get on radio. And I just don't know what to say about it beyond that. It's a terrible missed call. It cannot be reviewed because no whistle was blown, and thus there's nothing to review. Um, And it goes a long way towards costing the Pistons a game. I'll I'll remind everybody that the all-time record for fewest wins in a full NBA regular season is nine. The Pistons are stuck on eight. You might say to yourself, well, they'll certainly win two more games. Well, they are a team that lost 28 straight games at one stretch during this regular season. So they're trying to win, and I respect them for it. And they're fighting out there and they've got a really good chance and they just get completely screwed. I mean, of that, there is no doubt it is what it is for the Knicks. It kind of evens out. They got screwed in Houston two weeks ago. They're on the right side of a bad call this time. Hembo, help me. I don't know what the right thing is for me to come in on these big national shows that I have the next day and talk about with regard to this? What should I be saying?
3: So before we have a, a good faith conversation about how we might be able to remedy this in the future, if at all possible, there is something pretty funny about Monty Williams saying, in effect... My guys are asking me what more we can do, <laughs> it's eight and is 8-49. and You know, it's not, as if, it's not as if you're in the scrap heap to, to try to work your way into the play and you're getting screwed every night. I mean, you're earning $13 million to coach this team this season, and you have eight wins. Uh, so I think more than anything, it's because it's the Pistons and because it's Monty Williams, because of their situation this year, it's, it is amplified. But in the end, what this is is just a bad call late in the game, and it's happened at least, if not more frequently this season, in more pronounced ways.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, right. So the fact that it happened to him and that it happened to them doesn't make it less important. That, if, if, I don't know that it makes it more important either. I mean, an NBA game should not be decided on something like that. Now, here's what I will say. The other day, I turned on, what game was it? What, what game did we have sat- Sunday afternoon?
3: NBA game or college game?
1: NBA. We had, it was a late game. It was Lakers-Suns. It was Lakers-Suns and I was out running some errands or whatever it is and I put the game on. And for the first, I want to say, seven or eight minutes in real time that I put on the game, I want to say there were four stoppages for them to go over and look at stuff. Over and over and over. They're going to look at it. 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 And so, the the one part of me that wants to say, they should be able to review that. They should review everything. There's another part of me that says, I sat down and watched seven minutes of basketball and didn't see a play. They, they just reviewed everything. And like, I worry they're already reviewing too much. So you tell me what you think of this. Cam and Bub. I want you in this as well. I used to be very much in favor of more instant replay, more, 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 more. And I was actually campaigning for it in baseball when it didn't exist in baseball. And I ran into Joe Torrey, one time when he was in that role where he was in charge of baseball, like disciplinary stuff, whatever, whatever his job was in, in in the offices at major league baseball. And I ran into him and we got into this conversation about, about um, instant replay. And here's what he said to me, Greeny. He said, there are always going to be blown calls. There's no way to get this perfect. And over the course of 162 games, Every team is going to have roughly the same amount go their way as go the other way, which is why I've said I would do away with instant replay in Major League Baseball during the regular season and only apply it during the postseason because in the postseason, that rule doesn't apply. If you get one terrible call at the end of of game two of a best-of-five series— you are in no way assured that you're going to get another one that equals it out. Over the course of 162 games, you likely are. In a football season, I believe there should be more instant replay because, again, the value of every game is so magnified because there are just so few of them. Basketball falls in between. It's almost exactly halfway between football and baseball. So if I were to say to you, Hembo, the answer to this is nothing, do nothing, because there are already too many stoppages and already too much downtime for the officials to go over and look at a monitor and then come over and, and, and announce to everybody with that very uncomfortable straight up camera shot they have of their faces where you're looking directly up their nostrils and they're telling you exactly what it is they called or didn't call. Like, you know, with 41 seconds left in the second quarter, whether this was a take foul or not, like 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 the fate of civilization hinges on the outcome. Like, there's a part of me that says, just let that stuff go. And in the long run, it'll even itself out. The problem we have with that now is gambling. Because there are people who have bet on the outcome of these games. And those people aren't going to say, well, I bet on the Knicks every single day. So the bad call in that game is going to get equaled out by the bad call in this game. That's sort of the one hindrance in all of this. Because most of me, the sports fan in me, wants to just say, you know what? Bad calls are always going to be a part of this. They're ultimately going to equal themselves out. Let's just, it's a shame. Write your letter, apologize to the Pistons, and get on with your day. What do you think?
3: I think that your take historically, which is let's correct the egregious, is definitely half of what we need to do, and we definitely overdo it in terms of the number of things that we care about over the course of a regular season game. The part that I would like to hearken on, though, is is the leverage, the when. It's one thing to miss that call in the second quarter of yesterday's game. But with three seconds left, and the game being that close in that game, to me, is something that the NBA could consider doing something about. I'm not sure that I want to add any. More stoppages, any more replay during regular season games, because I do agree, over 182, these things are going to even out. But if that clinched a playoff series yesterday, if that won a playoff game yesterday, that's a whole different ball of wax. And so I do think that what the NBA could do is find specific instances like yesterday's, aggregate, generally speaking, like where the highest leverage misses have occurred, and create within their bylaws a scenario in which we can sort of from on high, if you will, call a replay to review something that neither coach can or should challenge or review
1: something that was not called that should have been. What say you? Um, You know, again, I'm hesitant because I get it. I mean, the call with three seconds left in the game obviously decides a game more directly than one that happens in the second quarter because there, by definition, isn't the opportunity for the other team to undo whatever mistake was made. But a really bad call, let's just live in a world where Nikola Jokic picks up his third foul in the second quarter on something that clearly wasn't a foul, that's probably a more important missed call than almost anything that might happen somewhere else, and I don't want them going and looking at that. I think it was Ruko, I can't remember now, it was Ruk- so whoever was doing the game on Sunday, I kept hearing them say, well, they're going to look at that. It's a, is, is it a take foul? LeBron's arguing it's a take foul. It's not, is it a take? Well, it's two shots. Well, they're going to go look at it, and we'll, we'll be right back. And they went to a break like five times. Now, again, I love the NBA. I'm not not The last thing I'm in, in a position to be doing is knocking the NBA. I did the league for two years. I loved it. I love the experience. I love the people. I love everything they're doing. They're try- Everything they're doing, they're doing with the best of intentions. We're just sitting here working on how do we continue to make it better. I think we're taking too many stoppages to look at things. And things that just aren't important enough. So you can't... The the issue with what you're saying is you're deciding, well, we're going to look at stuff that happens in the last minute, but we're not going to look at other stuff. Let's
3: not allow perfect to be the enemy of good here, though. Uh Like last night, in the the instance against the Rockets two weeks ago, those are both sort of obvious, we need to take another look at these type plays. They can write a rule, whether it be in clutch time which is clearly defined or in last x minutes with the score this close like that kind of thing. We want to avoid the last 2 minutes of the NCAA tournament game that to take a half an hour, but we might be able to to still have game flow while looking at that thing that happened last
1: night in the playoffs. Maybe the, the, you also have the gambling part of it now where so if the game isn't close you know, are we going to look at what the spread is? Like, the difference is, you know, it's a seven-point spread, and would this call at the end have moved that? You're getting into a very dangerous area when you're deciding which are and which aren't important enough to look at.
3: But I think generally speaking, and I bet on sports, I mean, I understand that the human element is prevalent here. Like, th- that could be a reason why my beat is bad. Th- that happens all the time. What I'm saying is the outcome, like, the, from, from the league's perspective, the outcome of a playoff game can't be decided like this and if we can at least make sure that doesn't happen i can live with what happened last night all right fair enough cam give me a quick take it's interesting
6: because I, th- I think guys like Monty Williams and you see these downtrodden franchises, I don't think they would necessarily agree that everything evens out. You- you're even hearing Monty Williams say, basically, this has been happening to us all season. So I understand gambling complicates things, and now you have a consumer investment in what happens in every game, not just their own team's games, and a monetary one. I don't know if every coach would agree oh, you know, we can we can let this one go, end-of-game stuff especially, because it's all going to even out, when you have these franchises who are so downtrodden for a couple years thinking that they're just getting the raw end of the deal every single time.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I get it. I mean, I'm just looking over their last few losses. They're, they lost to the Knicks by two. They lost to Orlando by three. Now, before that, they lost by 14, 16, 14, Oh, uh, well, they stink. Yeah. They absolutely oh, stink. Listen, my they're my horrible. Boy, there's no one call, is just, you know what I mean? Like, you can't.
6: And I, obviously, I, Monty's just frustrated, but right. he's not saying that for no reason. He probably does feel like because they're a bad team, they don't get as much, as many calls, obviously, as a good team would. That's a tough perception for a coach in his position to have to take and to just listen to someone say, you know, it all evens out is, is probably not what he wants to hear.
1: That's probably true. NBA Action Thursday night will have Nuggets Heat on most of these ESPN radio stations presented by Indeed. <laughs> Trivia, go. By Yardage, who is the leading rusher in NFL history
3: after turning 30 years old? The NFL's leading rusher all-time by
1: Yardage at the age of 30 or older. That's the question. answer is next on ESPN Radio.
2: Must be 21-plus plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
0: See app for details. Greeny, the podcast.
1: Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Trivia answer in 30 seconds after this reminder that ESPN Bet is now live. As the official sports book of ESPN, ESPN Bet's the only place to find daily exclusives and offers with your favorite ESPN personalities. Like me, I told you my seeing green boost is up right now. You get 9-1 to one boost on the Cowboys to win the NFC. Also, if you sign up today, new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sportsbook bet. You got all your favorite markets and bets like in-game wagering, cross-sport parlays, teasers, all the props. That's ESPN Bet. Download today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See the app for details. Tempo Trivia Go. By Yardage, who is the leading rusher? in the
3: history of the NFL after turning 30 years old. I have a guess. Bubba, what's yours?
1: Um, I am going to go with Frank Gore. Okay, that's mine also. That is also Jack's guess. All right, so we got three Frank Gores. Cam?
6: Yeah, I was thinking Frank Gore, and I'm going off the board again, not too far off the board. I have a couple more names written down.
1: I'm going to go with... Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, also a good guess. Is there anyone else or is that? That's it We've today. exhausted all the guesses, so we got a bunch of Frank Gores and an Adrian Peterson and Hembo. The correct answer is Frank Gore. Yay! <clears throat> yes! right.
3: Here are the top five. Frank Gore, Walter Payton, Emmett Smith, John
1: Riggins and Marcus Allen. I yeah. thought about Allen. Well, guys played longer. I mean, they the running. Somehow, they didn't get as hurt then. Or I thought you, about Emmett Smith. But. We didn't worry that they lost a, a, a quarter of a step <laughs> as much. <then>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the running game was more leaned upon then. So they, they just basically more yardage was accumulated rushing. In the old days than it is right now. Okay, well done by all of us, but cam. Cam, scoreboard.
6: Yeah, win for everybody but me. I am 17 and 27. Bubba's 14 and 23. You are 15 and 29. Jack is 10 and 14 after an 0 and 7 start. Very mm. impressive. Brandon's 9 and 22. Not impressive. Nick is 5 and 1, and Dominique is 0 and 1.
1: All right, fair enough. So let me move on here because I'm getting some news as we go. The Scoop. So um, the general manager of the Chicago Bears, who, who have the biggest decisions, and I use the plural there advisedly, uh, of this NFL draft period, um, is holding his media availability. His name is Ryan Poles, and I'm following Courtney Cronin, who covers the Bears for us on Twitter. And so I'm just going to read you a few of the tweets that she has posted. These are quotes from Ryan Poles. If we go down the road of trading Justin Fields, I want to do right by Justin. Poll said he's been in communication with Fields' team throughout the offseason and empathizes with the quarterback not wanting to live, quote, in the gray. He then goes on to say, when when would polls like to know which path they're going to take? His answer is tomorrow. He doubles down that he's serious. He wants to know soon, if at all possible. So let's think about what he's accumulating. I mean, a smart person doesn't make an impulsive decision he wants to do right by justin fields i admire that i respect that i I believe to whatever degree he can do that he should i also think it is in his own best interest to trade justin fields before free agency starts because you want as many teams interested as you can possibly get i think trading for fields is a more attractive option than almost any free agent signing that is going to exist in free agency. But once a team makes that move, they make that move, and you lose a contender for Fields. So if I'm him, I want to make that trade as soon as possible. But he needs to know what are the best offers I'm going to get for Fields. He needs to know that before he needs to know whether he's – assuming he's decided Fields is not going to be his quarterback. I think it's a separate decision. Am Am I willing to entertain the possibility of moving back from one to two or from one to three? and guarantee myself getting a quarterback. As far as Fields is concerned, I think he can get all the information he needs this week, and I'd be surprised if Fields isn't traded by the end of the week.
3: I would too, but there is most definitely more to the quarterback decision in Chicago than just that. It is... Are we retaining fields or are we trading fields? Are we keeping the one pick or are we trading the one pick? Are we drafting a quarterback with one of the first three picks if we have one? Maybe we do all of, maybe we do, maybe we give, uh, give away the picks and fields and we sign Kirk Cousins ourselves. Like the Bears, the reason why I think, I think it's likely to happen this week, but there is definitely a, a more interwoven element to the Bears quarterback decision that I think might potentially sh- strut it out
1: over a longer period of time. So you then would disagree with my following statement. I would be willing to bet you, I would make the ultimate seeing green boost, whatever you want, that the quarterback of the Chicago Bears week one of next season will either be Caleb Williams or Justin Fields. You, you are not willing to, you would not be willing to accept it is a lock to be one of those two?
3: So you're asking me or are you asking Ryan Poles? I'm asking you. Well, I think you're right. I think it is very likely to be Caleb Williams. That's who I think it will be. Me too. But if I'm Ryan Poles. I have the world at my fingertips. I have so many options. I have the ability to trade Justin Fields or maybe I keep him and build a super team around him. Or maybe I I draft Caleb Williams with the first pick, trade Justin Fields and do it that way. Or maybe I trade down to two or three, get a bunch of stuff for the first pick, draft Jaden Williams or Drake May and build it that way. Or maybe I trade all of it and build the ultimate super team and sign Kirk Cousins to 120 cents on the dollar and make
1: him my quarterback. There are so many paths. I find that, that he last can one go down. almost impossible to picture. Tell me why. Because he's old. I, mean, I think you you're, you're, you want you have the opportunity right now to have a young quarterback that you're excited about I don't think you want to go out and sign a 36 year old quarterback who had a a torn Achilles in November let me ask you a question how much
3: does excitement how much should excitement play into this because what I know for what I expect is that Kirk Cousins is going to be the best quarterback among all the ones that we're talking about over the next two seasons agree or disagree
1: Oh, I don't know that I agree with that at all.
3: Who's going to be better than Kirk Cousins over the next two seasons among the guys
1: we've talked about? I don't know that in the right circumstance Justin Fields isn't going to be better. So the the right circumstances could be there. Kirk Cousins has been in the league since I was a kid. He's won one playoff game. Sure. But Kurt, I mean, he's just not Kirk Cousins is he is the Mendoza line is the wrong word. Mm-hmm. He he is the, the the definition when we say what is an average NFL quarterback, it's Kirk Cousins. He's good. He's not great he's not he's not elevating you um, and if you're the bears and you have a chance at someone who could turn into turn out to be special you also are building a young team that you're not trying to catch lightning in a bottle if you're the jets you're trying to catch lightning i have to win in the next 2 years if you're the bears you could be trying to build a team that could be really good for the next 5 years but you're doing the thing that you hate when other people do which is why you're assuming that the young quarterback's going to be good well, I'm assuming that in my – I'm assuming that I'm – there's no question the quarterbacks are all good. The question is, do, are they put in good positions? Are they put in, 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 in the right places where they can maximize what they do well? Can we minimize what they don't do well? And we're not going to make the kind of ridiculous mistake that, for example, the Jets made in Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson's going to wind up being one of the worst draft picks of all time because there was nothing leading towards it. There was absolutely nothing about it that said it was going to be good. There's more than enough evidence to suggest that, in the right circumstances, Justin Fields. Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, and Drake May might turn into good players. So So I'm going to bet that I can put those circumstances around them.
3: And so you think it's likelier that Justin Fields is their starting quarterback next year over Kirk Cousins or anyone else in free agency or any veteran via trade? Much.
1: I mean, unless I mean the caveat to that being that they sign a journeyman bridge type and that guy starts week one, which I know isn't what you mean. So I'm not including that.
3: That strikes me as unlikely too. All I'm saying is I don't think we should be creating a false binary in terms of the options that Ryan Poles is is going with. I I think that he has so many levers that he can pull and the opportunity to create unprecedented leverage for You're
1: forgetting one thing. What is that? You approach everything from a logical perspective. General managers have to approach at least some things from a pragmatic perspective. General managers, and this is not a criticism, it's probably what I would do in their situation as well, they do a lot of things to make sure that if it goes wrong, they don't get fired. And if you don't draft one of these guys and they wind up being Patrick Mahomes, you get fired immediately. And that has to factor into this Somewhere in the equations. Good discussion. It continues as we roll on on a Tuesday on ESPN Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to Greenie the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the watch tab on the ESPN app. Also, catch Greenie on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.